You're listening to the J.D. Rucker Show. Let's begin. So, we're almost to 2024. It's right around the corner, which means that it's an election year, which means that everything's going to have to do with the election, right? Everything has to do with the election. We can look back at 2020. We can look back at at, uh, even starting in 2019. And pretty much everything leading up to the election really had to do with the election. Okay, COVID, lockdowns, masks, and and the push Operation Warp Speed all had to do with the election. George Floyd, the shenanigans with BLM, all had to do with the election. The contention with with Ukraine at the time, pre-war Ukraine, with the impeachment, all had to do with the election. You could point to every major event that happened late 2019 throughout 2020, and you can make a very clear argument that it was all about the election. I mean, all of it. Everything, everything had was leading towards the the idea, the notion that Donald Trump would not be allowed to be president for a second term. And people would argue that that's the same thing that's going to happen in 2024. And I would say, no, that's not the case. I would say that this time, this time around, the election is going to be used to draw our attention while the powers that be, the powers and principalities, the globalist elite cabal, the new world order, whatever you want to call them, that they are going to be utilizing the election as a smokescreen to engage in their evil machinations. Now, that's not to say that they're not interested in the election. They will be participating in it as well, but they can they can chew gum and uh, walk at the same time. And I <laughs> flip that around, I think, is the way that you actually say it in English. But but you get the idea. I think that they are going to, to use the election as a distraction. We're going to be saying, oh, this is, you know, the open borders, that's about the election. Oh, you know, the, the wars, the rumors of wars, that's about the election. Everything's about the election. When in reality, there's going to be much more nefarious plans for us. I don't even know if we're going to have an election, folks. And I know you, you might hear that if you're if you're paying attention to certain people, other people have said that. I'm not saying, saying anything that, that you probably haven't heard before, but I'm starting to really get concerned that might not be the case, especially if they're not able to get rid of Trump. If, if they can, My projection or prediction is this. If they cannot get prevent Trump from being on the ballot, if they cannot prevent him from running in the 2024 general election, if they cannot keep him from winning the Republican nomination, then we will not have an election. And when I say a prediction, I'm not I'm I'm, I'm saying that as a possibility. I'm not saying oh that's the trigger point and then it's a 99% certainty that we won't have an election. No, I'd still say I'd put it at about 10%. 10% chance if. If uh, Donald Trump is the nominee and he is on the, the general election ballots across the nation, then there's a 10% chance that we that we'll find some excuse for us to not have an election. With that said, if they are able to get rid of Donald Trump before the um, before the Republican National Convention, or if they're able to somehow prevent him from being the nominee or from being on the general election ballots across the nation, and if they're able to get neocon Nikki Haley as the Republican nominee through through whatever devious plans they have. Then I think there will be an election, and they won't care. It'll be like, okay, yeah, uh, okay, let's focus 100% of our efforts on what we want to get done while everybody else is paying attention to Nikki versus Joe or Nikki versus Michelle or Nikki versus Gavin or Nikki versus whoever. While everybody's focused on that, we don't care. We win either way, so let's focus on our things. And I know this is a controversial show, but I, uh, I'm not going to try to prove my point because you can't. It's one of those things where you can't prove or disprove what I'm saying because it hasn't happened yet. This is just a perspective. Just call it a thought experiment if you want to. If you want to say, oh, that's way too far-fetched 
for me, well, just think of it, well, what if? Think of it from a what if perspective. What if that's the case? Either way, pay attention to the show today because we're going to be talking about several items, several things. I'm going to get through as many of them as I can. Several reasons that I believe that uh, we're seeing things that are happening in the world, in the United States in particular, things that are happening that a lot of people are going to attribute to the election, and that's not really the primary goal. It's just, it's, it's heading us in a different, uglier direction. Okay? Are you with me on this? Uh, I do have a lot of other stories to cover, so what I'm going to do is, let's go ahead and get this first story out of the way, and then I will get to as many of the other stories as possible. I've been told, and you guys can give me your perspective on this idea by going to jdrucker.com slash talk. That'll go directly to me. Give me your perspectives on the idea. But I've been told that I probably shouldn't do entire two-hour shows on a single topic. So I have to, you know, to, to fit in with the rest of the conservative and alternative media world, I have to have multiple stories so that people will find something that's interesting to them. If I sit there and drone on for two hours, and in some cases, like with the uh, pandemic treaty, I actually dedicated four consecutive shows to it. So there's a total of eight hours of me talking about the uh, the World Health Organization's pandemic treaty uh, and uh, amendments to the uh, IHR. It was people don't like that apparently, and maybe you do. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I only heard the people that didn't like it. Maybe the people that did like it are like sitting there and thinking, "Oh my gosh, finally we got a show host that's actually going to pay." put the full effort into talking about a single topic for two hours or four hours or however long. Let me know what you think. Right now, the consensus that I've seen from feedback from you is that I should talk about, you know, take one important topic, maybe talk about it for 10, 20, 30 minutes, uh, maybe an hour, but the rest of the time I should be bouncing around to other topics and be a, be a good little show host. So we're going to, we're going to stick that folks. I do this for, for America. I do this for, for you all. Okay, I do this to support my family. Most importantly, I do this because I believe this is what God wants me to be. No, I don't get hear voices telling me to, you know, God says to to do a show and talk about this. That's that's not me. But you know, the way the circumstances seem to be playing out for me in my life, this seems to be what I'm supposed to do. So, Lord willing, I am doing what I'm supposed to do. Otherwise, I'll have to find something else to do, and uh, you guys will have to find somebody else to listen to. So let's get to this first story uh, over at endoftheamericandream.com by Michael Snyder. The uh, I know I talk, I do his stories a lot, but he seems to be one of those guys where not only are we in agreement most of the time, um, but he does t- touch on the topics that I like to talk about. And perhaps more importantly, he does a lot of the research. Okay. I hate to say it, but I mean, I wish, I wish I could send him money and put him on my staff. Okay. I, I'm sure I couldn't afford him. But I wish I could because he does tenacious research. He's able to find information about stories. So I can just go to one of his stories, and you can find him at endoftheamericandream.com or um, the the economiccollapseblog.com. He's got a few others out there. Uh, and he does a fantastic job of concisely bringing together multiple stories to build an appropriate and usually very accurate narrative. So this latest story over at endoftheamericandream.com is... Giant hordes of illegal immigrants are being brought into the U.S. just in time for the societal meltdown of 2024. <laughs> I mean, this is a case in point. People keep saying that the uh, the border, and, and on both sides, by the way, people people on both sides of the political aisle say that the border is going to be a major point for the election, for the election, for the election. Yeah, I've been I haven't even talked about the election impl- implications of our our border crisis. 
I continue to say that this is an existential threat that could actually literally destroy the United States of America before the next election. So there's that. <laughs> but a lot of people on both sides are saying, you know, you've got the Democrats that are saying, you know, we've really got to got to either figure out how to how to fix this at least a little bit because we do want the open borders, but we can't let anybody know that we want the open borders and we don't want to stop it, but we got to make it look like we're trying to stop it. And we got to act like we care, even though we don't. Um, and we got to figure out a way to blame this on the Republicans. They're literally, I mean, that's their, that's their playbook. Okay. That's what we're seeing playing out in the media, playing out with their speeches, with their actions. It's always like, you know, I saw Kamala Harris go on there. It's like, Hey, on day one, we put out like a, like a reform bill, okay, an immigration reform bill, and it was the Republicans who wouldn't sign it. It's like, um, didn't you have control of the House and the Senate on day one? I know that you didn't have a filibuster-proof, um, filibuster-proof uh, uh, Senate majority, but you did have majorities, and you should have been able to get bills passed. They were worth it. I mean, it's not like Republicans that are worth their weight, uh, worth the, uh, uh, that are good. <laughs> blah blah blah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I haven't been getting much sleep lately. It's not like the, any Republican that's good is going to take a, a good positive piece of legislation that's actually going to to positively impact the border, improve border security. They're not going to say, no, we don't want to do that because we got to block everything the Democrats do. No, that's not what we do. We don't have that, that unity of force against the bad guys. We have, generally speaking, Republicans tend to go with whatever direction they think is right. And, you know, the question with Republican and whether they're good or bad is who are they who is right in whose terms? Are they doing what's right for for the nation? Are they doing what's right for their constituents? Or are they doing what's right for themselves? That's always the big question. With Republicans, with Democrats, it's always, I mean, they are unified in their, their hate for America. So they can usually do better at, at getting stuff done. All right, let's get to this story. Giant hordes of illegal immigrants are being brought into the U.S. just in time for the societal meltdown of 2024. According to the article, are they trying to destroy our nation on purpose at a time when our economic problems are rapidly progressing? We are already involved in multiple global conflicts, and we are on the verge of the most chaotic election season in American history. Wave after wave of illegal immigrants uh, is being brought into the United States. Cities all over the country have already been absolutely overwhelmed by the vast hordes of illegal invaders, but more just keep pouring in with each passing day. In fact, more legal immigrants are arriving at our border borders this month than we have ever seen before. And this, uh, he's quoting, Michael Snyder's quoting Daily Mail, an article over there. It says, border officials reported the highest number of migrant crossings ever, with a seven-day average of more than 9,600 in December, a Homeland Security official told CNN. The record-smashing figure is the average across the entire southern border of the country. In November... The figure sat at 6,800, meaning the southern border has seen an influx of 3,000 more arrivals per day as migrants continue to pour through the border. That is a historic number, Texas Rep. Tony Gonzalez said last week from crossing hotspot of Eagle Pass, Texas. Yet more people are coming, and there's more people in the pipeline. As a matter of fact, those more people in the pipeline <laughs> equate to the biggest, I think we're going to talk about that in here in a second, but the biggest... Uh, uh, caravan that we've ever seen. The records are being broken, folks. Biden-Harris regime is winning. They are getting more people than they could have possibly hoped for. More, more military-age men from countries, many of them countries that hate us. And they're coming with instructions. 
everybody, they got their little piece of paper that says, hey, you go to Philadelphia, you go to Seattle, you go, yeah, oh my gosh, it's a disaster. And yet, even though there are enough people covering it, I really think there is enough awareness from the media perspective that media is getting, and, and um referring specifically to conservative and alternative media, even though we are seeing some in, in corporate media that are actually starting to report on it. They're getting a little bit spooked. They are getting concerned. Okay, they're thinking maybe this really is as bad as the those uh, those right wing conspiracy theorists are saying, because this looks pretty bad. When I look at the video, this looks pretty bad. When I look at the numbers, this looks pretty bad. It looks pretty bad because it is. It's horrible. And we are in danger. And that's why I say when when I say this isn't about the election, it's because it's not. It's in spite of the election. If they were, if the, if they were really, if the Democrats were really concerned about winning the elections coming up, then they would put an end to this ASAP. Okay, people say, oh, but those are just Democratic voters. Are they really? Maybe in the future they will be. But do you really think that that some military-aged man from from uh, the Chinese Communist Party crossing the border, you know, standing there like a soldier in front of the camera? You really think that he's going to to be have his voter registration, or they're going to be able to to forge a voter registration for him next year? You know, or are you saying that these are Democrat voters? Uh, there, it's their children, or it's their whatever. They're not playing the long game here, folks. This is disastrous for them in the eyes of voters, and yet it persists, and they're not doing anything about it. That should tell you exactly what the game is. The game is that they don't care about the election. I'm not saying they don't want to win. I'm saying that they're not trying to do the things that could help them to win the election, such as improving the nation. It seems as if they're in the process of destroying the nation as quickly as possible and hoping that whether, you know, for all we know, they don't even have any care at all about whether or not they win in November because they're going to have the ballots. They might not have the votes, but they already have the plan figured out about how to get the ballots, how to how to make a, a repeat of 2020. It'll be harder this time. I do believe they'll get even fewer votes than they got back then, but I think they are going to, to uh, that that they're not worried about oh you know we're only we're only losing by twenty million votes we can make that up <laughs> just print more ballots oh you know the thing anyway back to the article if these people want to come to and live in the United States they should go through the appropriate legal channels such as the way that I did and my mom did okay I was born I was not born in the United States of America a lot of people don't know that but I wasn't I am. Technically speaking, I'm considered a, a natural-born citizen because my dad was in the Air Force, and and uh, that's when he met my mom. When he was abroad, met my mom, and, and brought them over. So technically speaking, I'm a natural-born citizen, but because I was born abroad, I do I technically would be called an immigrant as well, a natural-born immigrant. I don't know. Uh, I fall into that weird category, very similar to John McCain, as a matter of fact, but whatever. Uh, anyway. Uh, but instead, giant hordes are showing up at our borders illegally because they know that the Biden administration will let them in. And those that enter our nation illegally are much more likely to engage in illegal activity once they are here. Because, let's face it, they're engaging in, in uh, illegal activity just to be here in the first place. Over the long Christmas weekend, Border Patrol agents were being swamped by an enormous tsunami of human suffering. Border Patrol agents, and this is an art, based on an article from Breitbart, uh, Border Patrol agents apprehended more than 29,000 migrants during the extended Christmas weekend. While most Americans' families enjoyed the celebrations of Christmas with family and friends, Border Patrol agents stayed to their tasks of processing, transporting, and caring for, and eventually releasing thousands of migrants pushed across the border by human smugglers, smuggling cartels. 
Border Patrol agents assigned to the nine Southwest Border Patrol sector um, sectors apprehended at least 29,000 migrants who illegally crossed the border between the ports of entry between December 22nd and 25th, according to the unofficial Border Patrol report obtained by Breitbart, Texas. On Thursday, December 21st, agents apprehended at least 9,000 more migrants. This brought the total for the last five days to at least 38,000 apprehensions. Folks, that's that, that cannot be allowed to continue. And yet, what are Democrats doing about it? Nothing. What are Republicans doing about it? Okay? I mean, seriously. Turn vacation. I get it. It's Christmas. Do the job. We're, 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 we're in an emergency situation here in our nation. Okay? Put the prime rib down. Say, you know what, guys? Things are really awful. We're staying. We're staying. We've got to stay. We've got to fix this. This is a crisis. We're facing multiple crises. It's not just one crisis. That's why I say, don't say, oh, it's just an election issue. It's just an election issue. It's not. That's the, it's not. This is not an election issue, folks. <sighs> Back to the article. Many migrants are murdered or raped along the way, but they just keep coming because they have been promised that Joe Biden will let them in if they can just get to the border. Right now, another absolutely massive caravan that is being led by Mexican activist uh, Louis Ray Garcia Villagran is on the way to the United States. And this is, according to um, Daily Mail again, the biggest migrant caravan for 18 months set off for the U.S. from Mexico on Christmas Eve as border crossing records continue to tumble. Around 10,000 people, led by Mexican activist Louis Ray Garcia Villagran, left the southern Mexican border town of Tapachula for the long march north as more uh, of those already at the U.S. border finish their journey this evening. It's insane. 10,000 people in one group. My gosh. Talk about inhumane. Talk about what is that, I mean, just even that, that sheer mass of people moving along the, the roads. I mean, Back to the article. Needless to say, these caravans are being given a tremendous amount of outside assistance. Globalist NGOs provide highly detailed maps and very specific instructions to illegal immigrants that are coming north. And once they arrive, those same NGOs often provide illegal immigrants with transportation. Uh, according to Zero Hedge, what's becoming increasingly evident is that a network of NGOs funded partly by the U.S. taxpayer, but by other nations and corporations are covertly, uh, covertly facilitating the invasion of illegals at the U.S. southern border, as well as distributing them across the U.S. and into progressive metro areas. According to an August report by progressive left-leaning media watchdog organization, Fair, uh, Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting, or FAIR, President Biden's Department of Homeland Security allocated $363 million to NGOs to assist illegal aliens once in the U.S., you remember when just uh, three, four, five billion dollars was just too much to spend on the wall? <laughs> uh, I laugh, but it's definitely not funny. Texas Governor Greg, Greg Abbott released a press release one year ago detailing how NGOs may be engaged in unlawfully orchestrating other border crossings through activities in both sides of the border, including in sectors other than El Paso. Once across the border, NGOs are also helping migrants with transportation across the U.S., such as providing seats on commercial airlines. And, of course, they can get on a commercial airline by showing their their uh, 
was their their arrest warrants. <laughs> it's, it's ludicrous. Meanwhile, we have to get frisked and and uh, sexually assaulted by TSA if we want to board a plane. They just have to say, "Hey, I'm an illegal alien. I'm going over there to Philly," and they're like, "Oh, come on, come on on board." You know, don't worry about it. What's your name? No, you don't even have to tell me. <laughs> Hundreds of millions of our tax dollars are being used for this. We are literally funding an illegal invasion of our own country. Our politicians know that this is happening, but they refuse to stop it. The truth is that they could end illegal immigration and secure borders if they really wanted to do so. All that would be necessary would be to reallocate just a fraction of the money that is being recklessly wasted each year. Senator Rand Paul, you know, he does his thing with, uh, with uh, what is it, Festivus or whatever. Uh, I forget. He does his waste report, which is good. I, I'm not ripping on that. I just, I've seen it about a thousand times over the last week. Uh, $900 billion, almost a trillion dollars, folks, in waste. Give me a break. We have the resources to secure the border, but our politicians simply will not do it. And so now we will all pay the price. Right now, Chaos is already erupting on a regular basis in the streets of our major cities. And there's a video that I saw again, saw this too much over on Twitter. And it was Christmas. It was in Oakland and you got a lot of kids, stupid kids destroying property for apparently no reason. I, I just, it is what it is. As this election season brings the anger and frustration of the American people to a crescendo, the chaos in our streets will get even worse. And adding thousands of additional illegal immigrants to the mix on a daily basis is certainly not going to help matters. The stage is set for a societal meltdown of absolutely epic proportions. Crime rates are soaring. We are in the midst of the worst drug crisis in U.S. history. And illegal immigrants are fueling the growth of gangs all over the nation. The left wanted to bring in millions of illegal immigrants. And now it has happened. Unfortunately, nobody is going to be able to control the nightmare that they have created. And that's really bad news for all of us. And yes, it is bad news. Of course it is. But again, it's the other way around. This isn't for them to try to rig the election. They're using the election to rig us, to rig the nation. You know, while we're busy saying, oh, you know, they're, they're making a mess of things. So they're, 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 I, I see a lot of people saying they're, they're sowing chaos you know, ahead of the election, just like they did in 2020. This is just George. I keep hearing this is George Floyd all over again, or this is George Floyd on steroids, or this is, you know, it's going to be, they're even angrier. They're more scared. They're, they're, they're going to, they have bigger reasons. I've seen them. Somebody was saying that, that climate change, they're going to be rioting about climate change. Now I don't want to put anything past these people because the climate change cultists are willing to glue their hands to highways. Why wouldn't they riot? Right. I mean, I don't see that as the, I think that's on the other side of the election. We can talk about that some other time. Uh, but for right now, you know, this is about being ready, being prepared. This is about praying through it and doing anything we can to stop it. And I know those are broad strokes, but I'm going to talk in more detail and offer better solutions in the second hour. For this, for the rest of this hour, I've got a handful of stories, uh, some some. Well, I guess there's really no good news. I, I will I will try to work in some good news. I'll try to make you laugh. I'll try to be funny or something. I'll try to do something. I will try to make sure that it's not all just awful. Um, <laughs> and that's no no easy feat. So yeah, let's get to let's get to this. Oh, and uh, before I, I go there, I, I always forget to mention I should stop 
forgetting. Um, today's show is brought to you by Genesis Gold Group. Be sure to check them out at jdrgold.com. That's jdrgold.com. Now, let's get to some of these stories. Let's start with, oh, Pizza Hut. That's a good place to start. There are three things here in the state of California, the wonderful and oftentimes horrible state of California, that are extraordinarily predictable. Number one, you've got the weather. Weather, of course, is extremely predictable. You can guess the the temperature at any given date way ahead of time. As long as you're guessing somewhere between, say, 68 and 74, you're probably going to be right. So that part's good. You've got, and that's one of the reasons I'm still out here. You have the predictability of ignorant voters, voters that will can be sold a bag of goods so easily because... They're told one thing. It sounds pretty good, at least on the surface level. And then they come to realize later that, holy crap, you mean there were there were consequences? There were repercussions that nobody told us about? Imagine that. Let's just keep doing it again and again and again, because that's what, that's what voters do out here. And then the third predictable thing is that California lawmakers will invariably take advantage of the aforementioned ignorance of voters and pass bills that are designed to come in, fail miserably, hurt the people, and then get them to go back on it. Then they'll come up with some some other harebrained scheme to take advantage of the people. This is how they're able to maintain power, (laughs) hurt the people, and then promise that they'll make it better next time, and then hurt them again, and then promise that they'll make it better next time. And voters are like, okay, but this one better work, okay? You guys are like 0 for 17, or your last 17 pieces of legislation. Well, arguably, something that's even more predictable than any of those three things are the results of the recent law that's going into effect Early next year, that will raise the wages of the minimum wage for fast food workers up to $20 per hour, of course. The result is that they're having to lay people off, and we're not talking about a small number of people. As a matter of fact, Pizza Hut, uh, one of the largest hours, sorry, two of the largest operators of Pizza Hut out here in the state, they are eliminating entire position, that being the position of delivery driver. According to KTLA.com, California Pizza Hut operators laying off all delivery drivers, every single one of them. Two large Pizza Hut operators in California are laying off all their delivery drivers ahead of a new state law that raises the minimum wage for fast food workers to $20 an hour. The layoffs impact hundreds of Pizza Hut locations across the state, including various places here in Southern California, as well as Northern California. It's it's up and down, okay? You got San Bernardino, you got Sacramento, L.A., Orange. It's it's just hitting pretty much everywhere. And that will harm at least 1,200, 1,200 workers. These are people that, that generally, they, they've been, anybody who's familiar with delivery drivers, they make tips, okay? And that's one of the reasons they don't get paid a higher hourly wage, because they do get to, to get cash. That's one of the advantages of being a delivery driver. Well... I guess they're going to have to go work for Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash or something because because Pizza Hut is definitely heading in that direction. At least they'll do that for now. Unfortunately, California's off to – we're going after we as, in, as if I'm having anything to do with it. The state is going after gig gig employees as well, so who knows? Maybe they won't. we just won't have any delivery at all thanks to the lunacy. And notice I didn't say, say idiocy. It's lunacy. It's it's not idiocy. They know what's happening. I'm talking about specifically the lawmakers. They knew that this would be the result. They knew ahead of time. They planned on it. They, they like this stuff. They want people to be hurt. They want them to be desperate. They want to be down, them to be downtrodden because hurt, desperate, and downtrodden voters are easy to manipulate and easy to get them to say, okay, I guess we'll give the Democrats one more shot. Unfortunately for me, that means the chances are I'm going to have to 
actually get up on my butt at some point and, and go get my own food. Gosh. This is a story I saw it on Twitter, and it actually apparently came from Vivek Ramaswamy's TikTok account, which we can discuss his use of TikTok some of the time. That's a whole other story. But it did catch my attention. It's a video of him at a campaign event talking to people about essentially a conspiracy theory, and it's a pretty darn good one. I want to hear more, but but I, I guess I'll just have to get him on my show. If anybody has access to Vivek, please tell him. I would love to to ask him about this. So on TikTok, he posted, it's clear the puppet masters have lost their use for Biden and are slowly sidelining him. But the real trick is who they're propping up instead. It's not Gavin or Michelle, as I'd assumed before. It's far more insidious. Open your eyes, folks. It's staring us right in the face. And then in the video, he basically says it's Nikki Haley. He, he doesn't say the words Nikki Haley, but he infers her by saying who's supporting her. And yeah, you know, just kind of he, he's he's careful. The dude's smart, okay. The dude is wicked smart. Let's face it. I I like Vivek Ramaswamy. I don't necessarily trust him. I think I would have to get to know him a little bit better before I could put any trust whatsoever in him. Uh, but he does say the right things for now. Maybe he didn't used to say the right things, but today he's saying the right things. And I I he's an interesting guy. I would love to interview him just to get get his thoughts and to get him to come out and say, hey. The globalist league cabal and the uniparty swamp are plotting to replace Donald Trump with Nikki Haley and and they're even Joe Biden. They don't care about Joe Biden because they really want Nikki Haley to be the person. Except here's the thing is that in the video, and you'll hear what I'm saying, maybe you guys interpret it differently. In the video, it sounds as if what he's saying is that is that she's going to beat Trump in the general election. I'm not sure how this works. It's as if he's saying that Trump is going to be the nominee and Nikki Haley is going to beat him. How that plays out, I'm not sure. Maybe she'll somehow be nominated to the... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what, what he's saying. But let's play that, and then you guys tell me what you think he's saying. It's good Thank to you see you guys. What did you mean on social media when you said that they're not going to... Um, they're going to take Biden out, and it's not going to be news. Oh, this is a longer story. It takes a dark turn. But I think it's... I know. I, I mean, I have a good sense of what's going to happen here. Okay. They're leading into trap. They're not going to let Trump get anywhere near the White House. They're not going to let him. What about so the goal is, you know, have him be the nominee. And by hell or high water, one way or another, they're not going to have him. They're not going to let him. What about the other two, though? It's not them. Who is it? It's within our own party. Okay. okay. It's within our own party? Yes, it is. Okay. Hey, look at the people who, are, who voted to keep Trump off the ballot. Who are they putting up? Who Losses to keep him off the ballot. Larry Fink to Reed Hoffman. Who are they propping up? So it's a game. And I'm not going to, I'm in this to make sure that that doesn't happen. But they want it to be a two horse race, eliminate him, put up actually the Trojan horse within the Republican Party that keeps the war machine humming and keeps the restrictions on speech and the censorship agenda. Get it done. Who needs Democrats when you can get it done through the Republican Party? Okay. So you do the math. Okay. You do the math on that. That's what's coming. Hey, hey, thanks again for taking my question. It. Yeah. Really appreciate it. I appreciate it. you. And I Thank appreciate you. your candor. Thank you. Yeah. We're, we're not going to touch. And again, I, I don't know. I mean, what is he saying? <laughs> it's obviously I'm no fan of Nikki Haley. And when to say that I'm no fan, I would have a hard time voting for her, even if it was her versus Joe Biden. Of course, I would never vote for, for Biden or Newsom or, or Michelle Obama, but I would probably look to, to RFK Jr. and try to try to get his economic plan in order in a way that's, that's not so destructive to America and some of his other, other ideas. Uh, try to get that switched over because I just couldn't imagine 
giving any support. You know, I'm look, I've never voted for a Democrat, but that doesn't mean that I have to vote for every Republican. And I think that Nikki Haley squarely falls under the category of a Republican that I would never under any circumstances vote for. Whether it's bugs or lab-grown meat or whatever they're pushing for the sake of climate change to replace good old-fashioned pasture-raised beef, uh, they're pushing it. They're pushing it hard, and it's time for us to wake up. It's time for us to realize that that we need to start stocking up on long-term storage beef. You can do that by going to freedomfirstbeef.com. That's freedomfirstbeef.com and using promo code JDR. You will get freeze-dried ribeye, freeze-dried New York Strip tenderloin, uh, and of course their original steak product. And with 15% off, it's time. These are the, the, this is sous vide, so it's already cooked. It's freeze dried. It's got 10 to 25 years shelf life without refrigeration, of course. So go check it out, freedomfirstbeef.com, and start stocking up on long term storage beef today. Promo code JDR. Don't forget that part. <laughs> One of the reasons that I do this show in the first place is because I have a deep understanding of what's happening in the world and perhaps more importantly, how to interpret it, how to understand what's happening, seeing the bigger picture. A lot of this is based upon my job. I have to read the news, lots of it every single day, over nearly 300 sources, reading through pretty much every single headline, anywhere from 1,500 to 2,500 on a busy news day. I read these headlines nonstop. I read many of the stories. I watch the videos. I get a bird's eye view, I guess you could say, of what's happening in the world as a result of of this immersion. But I think I also have instincts when it comes to kind of smelling it out. My wife actually says that I kind of tap into my my inner globalist. Not as she doesn't think that I'm a globalist, but she thinks that I do have an understanding of how how globalists think. I put myself into the position of, hey, if I wanted to take over the world, what would I do in this situation? What would I do in that situation? And I seem to, I don't know, maybe. Maybe there's a bad guy side to me that, that they, and praise the Lord, I don't tap into as, as far as my actions, uh, but maybe I do have an understanding of it. I don't know. But there's one thing that's always confused me, and, and this has been throughout the years. I've never really had an understanding of why and how media and the American people in general can completely ignore absolute tragedies, hideous tragedies in certain parts of the world. Africa, in particular, is largely ignored. I don't care how bad the story is. I don't care how bad the crimes are. It seems as if, for whatever reason, we just don't care. There was 160 Christians that were killed on Christmas, murdered in villages across Nigeria, 160 by a band of uh, a Muslim militia that was going around and hit approximately 30 villages in Nigeria, killing 160 people. That is mass murder. Okay, That is the size of the Oklahoma City bombing, and it was done on Christmas Day, and you didn't hear much about it. They're in the process of burying the dead. It's a process when you have to bury 160 people, and if you can see the screen, you'll see that, that they're doing it in mass grave format. They, they have no other choice. This, this is horrendous. horrendous. I mean, I, I don't want to get too emotional about this, but, but this is striking. And it's not just the crime itself that's striking. It's the silence. It's the lack of lack of feeling towards fellow Christians, fellow humans. And I don't understand it. 
This is one of those stories where I'm not going to offer a solution. I'm not even going to offer an interpretation. I just don't get it. I see these stories and they affect me. Why does, why, why isn't this in the news? Why isn't this being talked about? Why isn't this huge? People are so concerned, especially here in America, especially the radical left, so concerned when there's bombings in, in Gaza, when there's, there's, uh, attacks in Ukraine. So, I mean, it's just nonstop news when there's a shooting here in the United States or even, even a, a mass stabbing in, in Europe. Okay. And, and five or six people died. That's huge news. And yet when 160 Nigerians are murdered by Muslim militia, 160 Christians already struggling through life as it is based on where they are, their circumstances. And yet they're murdered. And I didn't see barely anybody talking about it. The, the usual, I, I should, I won't say like nobody. There were a lot of the publications did. Probably, I would say a dozen publications that I subscribe to did cover it out of, again, approximately nearly 300. There was about a dozen, maybe 15 or 20, we'll say. I didn't count. But I do know that it wasn't nearly all of them. It wasn't nearly half of them. It wasn't nearly a quarter of them. It was just a handful. And as far as corporate media, radio silence. Again, I'm not offering a solution here. I'm not even offering an interpretation. I don't get it. If you understand it, leave a comment. Because <laughs> at this stage, I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing. All right, let's get into some uh, some foreign affairs news. I think I cover something in the Middle East: Israel, Hamas, Gaza, Iran, Lebanon. I touch on the Middle East at least a little bit every day, and not for any other reason because it's the news, and perhaps more importantly because a lot of the interpretations of the news, a lot of the analyses that we're seeing out there on both sides, to be clear, are are inaccurate or they're not really seeing the big picture. And this is another example of one where not this this report itself, this report from endtimeheadlines.org is actually very accurate as a news story. Okay. But I a lot of the commentaries that I heard today were were false. Okay. They just they didn't paint it the, the picture the right way. Um Benjamin Netanyahu said recently, I think it was uh two days ago, he had said that uh, there's going to be an escalation. In other words, they were going into a more aggressive um front in the war. They're going to try to to expedite it. And I think the reason I, he didn't say this, but I think the reason is, is because they fear that they're, once they get closer and closer to fully taking out Hamas, that that's when there's going to be reactions from other nations, other military forces. And we're already seeing that. I shouldn't say that's when it's going to happen. That's when it's going to escalate. That's when we will get into what I believe to be a full-blown Middle East war, which is on the horizon. But in the meantime, we have we have those within his his war ministry that are saying that this is not going to be over in weeks, that we are looking at several months of war, and that's not taken into account if Iran gets directly involved, which they're already involved, of course, through their proxies because they're cowards. Um, that's just their modus operandi is to get involved through other people. That's what they do. Of course, then again, you could also make the same claim about the U.S. government throughout the decades, but but <laughs> it is what it is. You say the same about Russia and China for sure. So, you know, we're, we're, there's a whole lot of us out there that are doing it, doing it the cowardly way. But anyway, according to this article, Israel is now preparing for war across seven fronts. 
Israel was, has warned they are in a war on seven fronts as attacks recorded in a handful of neighboring countries in the last 48 hours sparked fears of the conflict escalating to the wider region. In an address to the Israeli government on Tuesday, Yoav Gallant, the country's defense minister and one of only three members of its war cabinet, said they were coming under attack from Gaza, Lebanon, Syria, the West Bank, Iraq, Yemen, and Iran. There's a quote from him. We are in a multi-front war and coming under attack from seven theaters. His comments came as explosions were recorded off the coast of Yemen, presumed to be an attack by Iranian-backed Houthi rebels, and missiles were fired into Israel by the Iranian-backed Hezbollah forces in southern Lebanon. British Maritime Authority said on Tuesday that missiles had been sighted off the coast of Yemen near Houthi positions and advised vessels throughout uh, traveling uh, through the Red Sea to transit with caution. They said they had also seen multiple explosions in the area throughout the day, though there were no casualties. The reported incidents came a week after the United States announced a multinational maritime security initiative in the Red Sea in response to attacks on vessels by Yemen's Houthis. The Iranian-backed Houthi militia has been attacking commercial vessels in the Red Sea since October, a campaign the group says is in solidarity with Palestinians besieged by Israel in Gaza. Israel's military said that more than a thousand miles directly north, southern Lebanese forces had hit a church and injured a civilian after an exchange of missiles across the border. And I actually heard there were nine injuries, uh, not just a single civilian. But maybe maybe I, I have more recent news. They accused Iranian-backed Hezbollah of delivering, deliberately firing at Israeli citizens and religious sites after a Greek Orthodox church was struck on Tuesday. Maybe that's what he's talking. Maybe that's the one that I heard about where nine people were injured. There were an additional two attacks recorded in northeastern Egypt, close to the southern, Isra to the southern Israel and Gaza border, and on the Israeli embassy in New Delhi, India. There were no casualties in either attack, and it remains unclear who was behind them. On Monday, meanwhile, a watchdog said an Israeli airstrike in Syria killed an Iranian general while U.S. warplanes hit Iranian-backed militias in Iraq, which had wounded American soldiers in drone strikes. Both drone attacks led to vows of revenge and this is where we get into the the poor analysis and again that, the poor analysis is not coming from endtimeheadlines.org they did a great job of just reporting the news as they generally do the bad analyses that i've been seeing are pointing to the notion that the united states has to get involved now preemptively we're seeing people such as senator lindsey uh military industrial complex graham okay the uh, person who I believe is amongst the top four or five most compromised members of Capitol Hill, most compromised members of our Congress that we have. I think that he is owned by multiple uh, multiple organizations, perhaps multiple countries. I think he's probably a step below Mitch McConnell, who's clear, clearly owned by not just Big Pharma, but also the Chinese Communist Party. And I think there's others out there that may be on equal footing. But when you have these these neocons out there pushing and pushing and pushing for us to get directly involved, pushing and pushing and pushing for us to preemptively strike Iran, that is dangerous because that is that is a guarantee of not just the Middle East itself exploding, but perhaps more importantly, for at the very least Russia and probably other nations outside of the Middle East to get directly involved. So even though the Bible does say that uh, when you hear uh, wars and rumors of wars, you fear not because the end is not yet, well, maybe we're that's the part we're in now, but what if it does escalate? What if we get into just wars and wars and wars? 
The rumors of war is all gone. What if we engage in Taiwan? God forbid. What if we engage in Venezuela? God forbid. What if we are drawn in and somehow we are engaging in Ukraine? It is possible that all these rumors of wars could be wiped out very quickly and become actual hot wars that the United States is involved in. And let's face it, you know, I don't, I'm a, I'm a homer, okay? I do believe the United States military, despite the wokeness from the Biden administration, the United States military is the most powerful military in the world, the most powerful military force the entire world has ever seen, by far, not even close. With that said, can we handle four fronts on four continents? I don't think so. Can we handle a combined enemy between Russia, China, and and their friends versus us and our friends. Our friends have not exactly proven to be the most reliable when it comes to to uh, to wars and conflicts. Okay, I'm not saying that. Hey, oh guys, head for the hills, we're going to lose. I'm just saying that I don't want any wars, and if there are other wars, I don't want to get involved. Period. We need to protect ourselves, okay? I know that that's not the most popular thing to say, you know, that, that we we conservatives are supposed to be ready to help our allies. Okay, yeah, well, we're not ready. We're not in a position to engage on multiple fronts. We're barely able to protect ourselves if a major conflict were to, to come to our shores. We're already experiencing a major conflict brewing within the United States as a result of our open borders. We're seeing military-age men being placed into our nation. The war that we're going to end up having to fight, almost no matter what, is this internal war. It is almost certainly coming. And unless God intervenes or unless we do something very drastic about it soon, we're going to be faced with the enemy within. So don't tell me, oh, let's go bomb Iran, bomb Moscow bomb Beijing, you know, take out Venezuela, do everything. No, I don't want to hear it, okay? I don't. We can't handle it. Sorry. I'm a homer. I love I love this nation. But we're not ready for that level of fighting. Not even close. I remember when I was a kid, my, my dad gave me this advice. I was probably 10 or 11. He said, son, when you grow up, you're going to want to buy a house. And when you buy a house, the trick is this. You wait until interest rates are high because the prices will be low. Buy your home when the prices are low. And then as it flip-flops, as prices go up and interest rates go down, then you refinance. You, you, you rolled all in. It was it was whatever. I, I was 10. I didn't care. But you know, that's what we have seen, at least something similar to that, well, forever. Okay, that's been the case. Interest rates go up, prices go down, prices go up, interest rates go down. That's the ebb and flow. That's the balance. We're seeing a great imbalance in 2023 and it appears that that we might see relief in 2024 who knows but at least as of now we're only seeing the the early the early uh balancing act uh, so to speak and i think there may be nefarious reasons for this this imbalance according to the article by uh by john carney over at breitbart.com home prices hit record high even as mortgage rates soared from the article the highest mortgage rates of the 21st century did not keep home prices from surging in october Home prices in October were up 4.9% compared with a year ago, the strongest pace of gains in 2023, according to the S&P CoreLogic Case Shiller 20 City House Price Index. Compared with a month earlier, home prices rose 0.6%. In other words, they keep rising, even though rates are high. This 
uh, pans out across the board, whether you're looking at the 10 city, which would be the 10 largest cities, if you're looking at the nationwide index, everything's going up. Everything has been going up and going up at alarming rates. This is what's preventing a lot of people from being able to buy a house. A quote from Brian D. Luke, who's the head of commodities at uh, Real and Digital As- of Real and Digital Assets at S&D, uh, S&P TJI. They love their, their acronyms, don't they? Uh, he said, home prices leaned into the highest mortgage rates recorded in this market cycle and continued to push higher. With mortgage rates easing and the Federal Reserve guiding toward a slightly more accommodative stance, homeowners may be poised to see more appreciation. We'll see. So then what he's saying is basically there's, it seems as if there's at least a possibility that rates might go down next year, but, but home prices may continue to go up. Now, here's the thing. When I say that this is manufactured, who would be doing the manufacturing? And this is, takes me to uh, an arena that always concerns me a lot, and this gets into the public-private partnerships. Public-private partnerships, to me, are the, are the future of totalitarianism, the future of tyranny. It's not just going to be governments. It's, it's not going to be despots. It's not going to be people that you elect, or at least that they tell you that you elected. It's going to be a combination of technocrats and you know, business leaders, corporations, and, of course, the good old bureaucrats and politicians themselves all working together against us. This is why I believe you know, there have been a lot of theories as to why companies like BlackRock are out there buying uh, single-family homes, why commercial real estate is is being sold but still remaining empty, why we're seeing land being purchased by plenty of foreign entities, not enough land being purchased by Americans themselves. And then you also have the government saying they're going to start taking over more and more and more land, 30% by 2030 is what they're saying. So what does this all mean? It means that the future that they want to carve out for us, the future that they want us to accept is a future where ownership of land, ownership of homes, will be relegated to just those just the elite just the now I'm not talking about the rich necessarily I don't I think that they're not going to be spared either I think that just those who are who are in the know those who are who are you know part of the the plan the the members and and friends of members of the globalist elite cabal those are the ones that are going to actually be owning land owning homes we're all going to be you know you will own nothing and you will be happy that's what they say right this seems to be pushing in that direction. And again, nobody's talking about this for a reason, because this this is one of those, it's a stretch, all right? I'm not, I'm not going to lie. This is a stretch. This is, I have no evidence of this other than, well, we got this happening that's weird, and this happening that's weird, and this happening that's weird, and I got no no uh, insider information. I've got no, well, I do have, <laughs> I do have a little bit of insider information, one one little bitty bit of, um, of a, I wouldn't even call him a whistleblower, but but somebody who who does have information who says that that this checks out, you know, okay, well that's scary if it does, because that means that in order for this to to take place, they can they can get the the foundation for this public these public private partnerships set up, but they won't be able to do it to complete takeover unless there's a catastrophe. And when I say catastrophe, I'm talking about complete chaos. I'm talking about martial law. I'm talking about societal collapse. If that were to happen, okay, well then. It would make sense for for BlackRock and the U.S. government and foreign entities to be buying up as much as they can now, getting getting ahead of the game so that when the rug is pulled out from under us, they're already properly positioned to say, hey, we have the solution. Come live here. Come, come, come on over. Come on. You can live in. You can take your family, live in this house. Here's your 
your car, that this will pay for everything within a 15-minute walk of you. You know, you can't leave. You, you know, you leave, and, and suddenly your card, your central bank digital currency doesn't work anymore. But don't worry. We're going to plop you in this 15-minute city that we built just for you, and you're going to be, everybody's going to be equal. Everybody, everything's going to be, you know, equity, diversity, inclusivity. It's all going to be there for us. Everybody's going to be equally miserable. I'm sorry, equally happy, equally happy. Didn't mean to say miserable. They're all going to be equally happy. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking at this the wrong way. Maybe this is just no big deal. Maybe it's just an anomaly where rates go up as prices go up. And maybe all of these these evil entities, government, BlackRock, foreign powers, buying up all the land and homes and everything they can get their hands on, keeping the prices elevated for no good reason. Maybe it's just all a coincidence, right? All right, let's conclude this hour with something absolutely amazing. This one blew me away. Okay, when I saw this video, you know, we often hear things like, you know, this right here, this is the thing that you need to listen to. We need more people like this. And then you watch it or you listen to it, and it's a little bit disappointing sometimes. I would say most of the time. It's like, yeah, that was pretty good, but I wouldn't say that this is it. This is the... Well, folks, what you're about to hear, this gentleman standing in front of a Planned Parenthood, okay? He's addressing, and it's funny because he's carrying his, his coffee. You can see... <laughs> Chances are, and I could be wrong, but chances are, it seems as if he's just walking along and sees this and decides, you know what, I'm going to address this, whatever, I couldn't imagine these these rainbow uh, umbrella-carrying leftists there are there to protest. I think maybe they're, maybe they're counter-protests to a protest. Of, I don't know. I don't know the background here. I don't, this could be 10 years old for all I know. Um, I don't think so. I, I'm, I'm going to at least pretend in my mind that this happened yesterday and uh this guy was just walking along he wasn't planning a speech he wasn't planning on on confronting these snowflakes he just actually saw them and said you know what i'm going to speak up that's that's what i'm going to keep in my mind <laughs> because because uh that would be epic so uh could be false could be completely wrong maybe he's famous i don't recognize him i don't recognize his voice but i do recognize his words and when I say recognize, those are the words that that I would like to say. Very similar, if and when I'm ever in that, the same situation. You know, maybe I'm going to have to to go get myself into more situations like this because because this is truly inspiring. Let's go ahead and play play this gentleman here. Your great grandparents escaped abortion. You escaped abortion. You know that. You wouldn't be able to stand here and run your little entitled mouth if you wasn't if you was aborted. Do you know that? You wouldn't be able to stand here and breathe if your mother decided to give you the death sentence. So I don't want to hear nothing about abortion because you know what? You really don't believe. You don't really believe that you should kill your own baby in, in the womb. You don't believe that. You know what you believe? You believe that you don't want to be called a piggy. You believe that you want to be accepted by your friends. You believe that you want to be popular. You believe that you want to be liked. So you wouldn't dare go against the popular narrative because you know you might lose your friends, you might lose your job, you might get canceled, you might not be able to make the money you want to make, you might not have the fame you want to have. And so what you do, you pander and you cater to people who literally want to murder human beings. How insane is that? How insane is that? 
And a woman could be walking across the street right now and she's pregnant. Right? She could be walking across the street pregnant. And a man come by with his car and kill that woman and her baby. You know what that judge is going to do? That judge is going to give that man two counts of homicide. Two counts of vehicular homicide. Not one. Two. Why would that judge say that that man that hit that pregnant woman and killed her and her baby is guilty of two homicides? Why would he say that? The reason he would say that is because not only the woman carrying the baby is a real human being, but the baby she's carrying is a real human being. The same baby that's kicking in her womb, turning around, pushing his little hand against the inside of her stomach. And then when she pokes back, the baby turns. And then it kicks into another place. And then she pokes back and, and she's having fun with her live baby. Her human being in her womb. It's responding to stimuli. And it's a real human being. You cannot claim to be BLM. You cannot claim that Black Lives Matter. You cannot claim that racism is wrong. You cannot claim that any harm against human beings is wrong when you accept this. You are a hypocrite. You are completely inconsistent if you believe that the most vulnerable, the most innocent, the most defenseless people on the planet do not deserve to be protected. You are a complete clown if you believe that. None of y'all can be taken seriously. It's funny, the closing caption on the video that I, as where I saw it on Twitter was, more men like this, please. You know what? I can wholeheartedly agree with that. If we had more men and women, but mostly men, because you really need, uh, it helps. It definitely helps. People shut up when, um, and if you're listening on audio, you're not seeing on video, this is a, a large man, <laughs> okay? Not like, like, I mean, he's clearly clearly physically fit, muscular, and he's got that deep, booming voice. And so even when they tried to drown him out, it sounded like they were trying to drown him out even with a uh, bullhorn um or a um what is it an, uh, not amplifier what is it called yeah bullhorn but but you know, what's the word what, what uh the thing where you put it in front of your mouth and you speak i don't know you you guys know it's <laughs> i've been i haven't been sleeping well my brain isn't operating at full function but we'll we'll get it better catch up on sleep tonight anyway yes um uh megaphone there we go thank you thank you megaphone uh, even when they're trying to, to drown him out with a megaphone and with chanting and singing and whatever else they're doing with their rainbow umbrellas, he still just keeps on talking and you could hear him and they could hear him too. And I would imagine, I, I, again, this is in my own imagination, but I'd like to think that he had an effect that, that even if just one person sitting there thinking, huh, the dude makes sense because he does, maybe he changed a heart. Maybe he, he changed the mind. Maybe he can give us the ammunition we need to to do likewise, to persevere and to fight the good fight. Do it aggressively without being violent. Do it aggressively without being being uh, uh, without doing damage to the cause. No damage done here. Just positives from from this gentleman. I salute you, sir. Let's go to uh, station identification. And I'll be back after about 45 seconds. I, you know, I need to time it one day, see exactly how long it is. I think it's 45 seconds, but 
I'll see you guys on the other side. For this second hour, I'm going to turn off the other screen, and I'm just going to talk. It's just you and me. Okay, we're just talking. Talking through this, talking through the various scenarios that I believe are putting us at grave risk, we'll say. I use the phrase existential threat a lot lately. I used to be that guy that would say, don't say it's an existential threat. It's not really an existential threat. Okay, an existential threat means that we could all die as a result of it. Well, guess what? Now, today, as we go into 2024, I do see existential threats. And I run the risk of turning some of you off because I know, I know what it takes. Okay, I know there's a reason why so many of these shows go out there and they, they say, oh my gosh, it's happening. You know, it's really happening. The, the, the arrests are going to happen. Hillary's going to be behind bars and, and Trump, he, he had, he had watermarks all over the ballots. And this is just a, it's all, it's all just a, a way to, to root out the deep state. I know everybody wants, not everybody, but a lot of you, a lot of you want to be told by the various show hosts, the various sites that you read. Uh, you want to be told by your friends, your peers, people that you chat with, people on social media, your your spouse, your kids, your parents, whoever. You just want you want to be told that it's going to be all right, right? I mean, you want to be told that there's a plan and that as bad as it looks out there, it's not really that bad. That that positive things are happening in the background. That we just need to try harder, work harder. Spread the word, get more tweets, more Facebook likes, more whatever. I mean, you share and talk through it, and, and, and everything's going to be okay in the end. Well, I am going to tell you that everything's going to be okay in the end. But it's not going to be okay in the end because of watermarks. It's not going to be okay in the end because the bad guys are all going to go to jail or that they're all going to be hung, or that, you know, the Trump's going to come in and he's going to have Ronald Reagan as his vice president and Calvin Coolidge is going to, is going to, going to come back and, and, uh, help run the state department. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you that we're going to get a super majority in the House and the Senate and everything's just going to be turned back to, to the way it was even better, better than ever before. China's going to collapse, Russia's going to collapse, Iran's going to collapse, North Korea's going to collapse. I'm not going to tell you any of those things because they're not true. We do have a hope. And that hope is through our Savior, our Lord, Jesus Christ. Our hope is that if we are indeed in the end times, then we will suffer before we prevail. And it won't be us that prevails. 
we might we might be able to help. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's the end times, and I helped. Oh gosh, that's an old reference for those of you who don't know. It's shake and bake. Look it up. Yeah, no, it's I do have hope, and I do have a um, an understanding that if we are in the end times, praise God, because this is the ultimate blessing to be alive at this time. And if we're not in the end times, then praise God, because we do have an opportunity to win. Either way, our mission doesn't change. Either way, our day-to-day activities don't change. We still do what we're supposed to do from the beginning. We still spread the gospel, spread the word. We still fulfill our own obligations to the faith. We try to alert people. We try to, to show them through our actions, not just our words, but also how we live. And we try to do what we can in this world, within this world itself. We try to, to make things better for people. We help them. We give them clothing. We give them food. We give them the things that they need to survive so that, that the longer that they can live, the more likely, I guess, the chances are that they can, that they can be saved. I don't know how it works. I'm not going to get into, into predestination, Calvinism or anything like that. All I know is that we do for sure. We are supposed to spread the word. We are supposed to reach the nations. And we do have that opportunity today more than ever in our history. So, yes, I do have hope. I do look forward and I do smile. And that hope is what enables me to look at all of the bad things that are happening and realize that either we're going to prevail or we're not. So let's at least try to prevail. Let's try do our best, do everything that we can within our power to live righteously. And none of us can. None of us will be able to truly live righteously. But that doesn't mean we don't strive for it. We do strive for it. We try to be the the best people that we can be. And that's not about being the richest. That's not about being the, the, uh, the prettiest. It's not about being anything. I heard Tucker Carlson say, you know, basically it's about having more children. And I look, hey, there's there is a biblical reference there. <laughs> Go forth and multiply. But I don't think that that's even it. I'm not saying don't have children. No, have, have children for sure. But that's not our mission. That's not why we're here. We're here to to be tested. We're here to, to spread the word. We're here to do the will of God. However that manifests in, in our lives, that's what we are supposed to do. So we we pray and then we pray some more. And then we keep praying. And I know a lot of you are sitting out there thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I'm, I'm a Jew. I'm, I'm, uh, whatever. You're not a Bible believing Christian and you're, you're hoping that I don't go off on a, on a 53 minute rant about, about this. I'm not. I'm done with that part. I just wanted to, to lead with that so that you understand that when I go through and I talk about all the bad things that I'm about to talk about, it's not out of, you know, fear mongering. I'm not trying to, to to uh, scare people. I mean, I want you to be aware. I want you to, to understand the seriousness of our situation, and I want you to act upon that. But I don't want you to go forward in fear. I want you to go forward with a mission. I want you to go forward with a desire to do better, to do more. And that means recognizing what it is that we're facing, then so be it. We've already established that the border crisis is truly a crisis. And it's probably worse than most of us even know. 
Not just the numbers. The numbers are, are definitely worse than we, we know. I, one of the things I was going to show on the screen was information that I uncovered. And I'll probably do this tomorrow or later in the week. But information that I uncovered about the border, border numbers. Okay. They don't match. They're not, they're not adding up properly. Something has been, been jacked with essentially. If you were to go by the border numbers, we are have, then it's, it's mostly women and children crossing over right now, folks. It's all family. I mean, we've, we've never had this high of a percentage of family units, individuals within a family crossing over. We know with our eyes. We see the videos. We talk to the people. We, we hear what the border patrol is saying. Everybody's saying the same thing. Military age men, no women, no children. But the, the statistics coming out from Customs and Border Protection don't reflect that. According to them, Fiscal year 2024, which started last month, well, technically two months ago, uh, started October and the, the numbers from October and November paint a very different picture from the one that we're seeing. And I think that too is, is all part of this, this plot against us. So what is it that they're trying to do? We don't know. We have some ideas. I do believe that when, if and when the destruction of the United States comes, if it does come within our lifetimes, it will be from within. It's, we're not going to get invaded, not at least at first. I think that once we're weakened, <laughs> once, we're, once we are so, so chaotic, once we are so disconnected, then perhaps, or, or maybe likely, we could be invaded. But as of now, that's not step one. Step one is to, is to blow us up from the inside, sometimes literally, sometimes figuratively. They're wanting to get us at each other's necks. They want us to be choking each other out. They want us to be fighting, and it's starting to work, folks. You see it. Well, and let's just start right there. The most obvious example of how this is working, how this is manifesting in America today, is the most recent one, the one that started on October 7th with the whole uh, Hamas versus Israel idea. What we're seeing here in the United States has nothing to do with the Middle East. It's hard for, for many of us to understand, but it has nothing to do with the Middle East at all. The conflicts that we're seeing, the protests that we're seeing. They might think, okay, I'm not saying that 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 these anti-Zionists that are protesting in colleges, that were on the streets of New York fighting with cops on Christmas Day. I'm not saying that they don't believe that they're, you know, that they're fighting on behalf of the Palestinians, as they would call them. I'm not suggesting they're not true believers. But a lot of them aren't. We know that. A lot of them are, are very likely paid or some otherwise coerced, perhaps even just indoctrinated. They don't really know or care. They just know that they want to be there. They're looking for conflict. They saw the quote-unquote unity behind the George Floyd movement. They've seen the... the um, the so-called unity behind the Black Lives Matter unit uh, uh, organization. They've been able to, to get a taste of what they believe to be the lifestyle that they want to live. That's the indoctrination aspect of it. And then, of course, there are the provocateurs, the leaders. Many of them are just directly paid, whether it's through open societies with George Soros, now, now uh, Alex Soros, or whether it's somebody else. Somebody's getting driven in that direction, and then they're driving the rest of the herd in that direction. 
But again, this has nothing to do with trying to support Palestine or even Hamas. This is about trying to divide the United States of America. It's conspicuous that all of this started popping up after the attacks. Why is that? Okay, that's the should have been, logically speaking, that should have been the worst time. Okay, if they really wanted to make the case that the Palestinians and Hamas are are good people and they should be a two-state solution or even a one-state secular solution, they or even if they want to make the case that the Jews should be driven out from 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 river to the sea, okay, whatever case they wanted to make, the best time to make that case ideologically and logically speaking would be before they committed the hideous acts on October seventh. But they didn't. They waited till afterwards. They waited until until they were on the wrong side of history, very clearly, unambiguously on the wrong side of history. Don't forget, this, these protests, they didn't start up after Israel started bombing. They started up before Israel attacked Gaza at all. I'm not talking about the counterattacks that were happening on day of. I'm talking about the actual invasion. And that's what it is. People say, oh, don't call it an invasion. It's their land. It's not occupied. This, you know, <clears throat> They are going into Gaza, and that land it belongs to other people, and they are, and I'm not I'm not saying that they shouldn't, by the way. <laughs> Don't take that the wrong way. I think it's a, a, an appropriate and righteous invasion. If I were, were leading Israel right now, I would be doing the exact same thing, or at least something similar to it. Maybe different strategies, but, but you get the idea. I'm not condemning uh, the Israeli government for their response so far. But again, the key there is that these anti-Zionists here in the United States didn't wait for that to start. They started protesting the day of. They started October 8th. They were already in the streets. How does that make any sense? Isn't that the time, you know, at some point you're like, eh, now it's not the thing. Why don't you wait till, till later, you know? And where were you before? Where were they before? How did it pop up now? And to understand how, we have to understand why. And the why should be self-evident. The, the why should be very apparent. Of course, the why is to strike division. It is arguably, I wouldn't say the most important, but it's at least the most potent, most potent division that we've seen here in the United States because you have both sides going at each other. Okay, You have, you have people on the right going after other people on the right. You have people on the left going after other people on the left. And then, of course, you still have the right and the left going after each other. Okay, the pro-Palestinian side is is almost is mostly radical leftists. There are there are a lot of Democrats who are pro-Israel, and then you look on the other side over here on the right, and you have a whole lot of people, especially on the far right or alt right, who are also anti-Zionists, who are also against Israel, and you've got conservatives going up against other conservatives with different ideas. On that one issue, I mean, I've there. I'm not going to say who, but there's a, a prominent conservative that I have that that I was. He's a friend, okay. I mean, I mean, we've exchanged, we've talked, we've exchanged money, <laughs> you know, and, and like uh, like this is a this is a, a somebody that up until October seventh, I would say we were in perfect lock, lockstep. Ninety five percent of our perspectives were aligned. I haven't spoken to him one time. I mean, I, I should say I spoke to him one time the days, the, the few days after October 7th, and that's it. We haven't spoken since. He is, he is very, very much anti-Zionist. 
he's his all he sees right now today all he sees is that Palestinians are getting killed he's not calling for Hamas to release the hostages at all so I'm not I don't want to dwell on that the point I'm trying to make is this that uh, this situation here in the United States as it pertains to as it's driven by the Middle East narrative it has nothing to do with the Middle East this is about dividing us the protests aren't going to have an effect and they know it they're not going to have an effect on them on, I shouldn't say they're not going to have an effect they're not going to have an effect in the Middle East they're not going to be able to protest their way to bully Joe Biden into doing anything Joe Biden does not take orders from the people unfortunately Joe Biden takes orders from his handlers he's told what to do and what to say that should concern us because they know that they being the people that are out there rioting protesting it's only going to get worse as I noted in the first hour Israel's talking about a seven-front war Israel's talking about this lasting for at least months okay in other words it's very possible I would say almost likely that some war maybe not the war between Israel and Hamas but some war in the Middle East involving Israel is still going to be raging around the time of the election and they know this and they're using that they're using that to not just drive their own narrative but also to drive more importantly from their perspective to drive division within the United States we have to understand that we have to recognize this this is one of the reasons by the way I don't know if, if anybody's caught on but you know when I'm I don't I, I used to bounce around oh is it anti-semite is it pro Hamas is it pro Palestine is it anti-Zionist I've fallen on the concept of anti-Zionism as the the overarching perspective I know there's there's different degrees or whatever you want to call it I know there's different different uh, different reasons for people to either want Israel to change or want Israel to not exist but I've put it under the umbrella of anti-Zionism simply because that is that encompasses it all because at the end of the day the we have to address this issue again I'm talking specifically about here in the United States we have to address the issue of division and we have to change and or defend hearts and minds when I say change we have to get the people especially the the young people we have to get as many of them as we can to understand the truth okay and we also have to get as many people who are currently understanding the truth to continue to understand the truth I learned a valuable lesson over the last three years that lesson is this is that I don't care how adamantly somebody feels about an important topic they can have their minds changed and the, specifically the reason I say three years is because there are people that I used as references as resources when talking about the massive widespread voter fraud that stole the 2020 election many of those same people today are denying that the 2020 election was stolen and I'm like we've only seen more evidence at the time we saw tons of evidence thousands of affidavits video evidence but I think they're scared and so in many ways I think they've just convinced themselves 
that they don't want to be on that side. It's not that they don't believe that the election was stolen deep down. It's that they've convinced themselves they don't want to be Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani had to file for bankruptcy because of because of a bogus judgment in a trial in which he was not able to present the evidence that would have demonstrated why he believed that that the uh, there was voter shenanigans in Georgia. Why he believed that that I mean we have he had video evidence that showed hey look at there there's the voter fraud that I was talking about. So I don't have to pay anything. It should have been a, a very easy case to make. He wasn't allowed to make it. And that's there's a reason for that. People don't want to be Rudy Giuliani. They don't want to be, be January 6th. Okay? They don't want to have... They don't want, want to get caught up in anything like what happened to the January 6th people. And because they, the powers that be, have associated January 6th with, with election deni- denial... What, what they call election denial. I, I say that, that we're the ones in the right in <laughs> believing in voter fraud, believing that it did happen. They're election fraud deniers is what it is, and they're wrong. It's clear. And yet so many people I've seen who were on our side, my side, I don't know where you stand, but on my side and believing that the 2020 election was stolen, they have switched sides. They now don't claim that anymore. They haven't changed their ideology. You know, Many of them still support Donald Trump. They just do, you know, the, I think a lot of them fell into the trap of, well, if it really did happen, wouldn't, wouldn't the courts have, have found it, right? I mean, surely our courts can't be that corrupt, except they are, unfortunately. So, yes, yeah, so I have learned that people can have their perspectives changed, even if they, if these are deeply felt perspectives. It all depends upon where it puts people. And one of my one of my big fears is that, especially as the war uh, uh, persists, and as sentiment worldwide continues to turn further and further away from Israel, and further and further towards Hamas and, and the Palestinians, and as the pressure builds for a two state or again even a one state secular solution, that's when we're going to get. A lot of people that are pro Israel today are going to shift. And I'm not just talking about like the the fake. Uh, Israel supporters, you know, such as many of the people within the Biden-Harris regime, including, I believe, Joe Biden himself. I'm not talking about those. They're they're destined to switch once it, the political winds tell them to do so, once their handlers tell them to do so. I'm talking about the people on our side, people who today are pro-Israel, but eventually they're going to shift. And look, at this point, I have to be clear. I, I've said it before. I need to say it again. This is not an argument about whether or not Israel is right, whether or not, you know, Israel should back off or there should be a ceasefire. It's unambiguous that the, that Hamas must release the hostages, but that's a, a different issue. I don't think anybody would, I hope nobody would disagree with that. I'm not trying to make a point of, oh, you got to be pro Israel. What I'm saying is that they're sowing division. If you are against Israel, chances are you're, you're not nodding your head in agreement with me right now. And that's by design, not by me. That's by design. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to divide us. They're not just trying to divide one side versus the other side. They're taking the sides and splitting the sides apart. They're not creating new allies, by the way. It's not like, you know, the alt-right is going to go hang out with uh, with Rashida Tlaib. <laughs> okay? That's not going to happen. Even if on this one issue they do, they are aligned. There's just going to be division, and that's the division itself. That is the purpose. That's what they want to do. 
It's, that's how they get their end game. For us to understand what that, what, what all this means, we have to understand what the end game is. So let's take it from, from the top and work, or I should say probably take it from the bottom and work our way up. What is the end game? Where do they want us? They want us on the bottom. They want us gone. They do envision, and this has been since the Club of Rome, working with Henry Kissinger and Klaus Schwab almost exactly 50 years ago. Odd. 50 years ago, they had this vision of 10 world powers, 10 world governments, all answering to a centralized world government. If you've read your Bible, this sounds familiar. And I don't know if Henry Kissinger or the Club of Rome or Klaus Schwab did this intentionally to mirror the Bible, or they did it instinctively without even realizing that they were mirroring the Bible, but they were. They wanted 10 regional powers answering to one, one greatest power, and then that greatest power they envision will, and uh, greatest power from their perspective, not, you know, <laughs> I, I know, I know where our greatest power is. I'm saying they, they picture this worldly power. Perhaps they call it the seat of Satan, if you will. They pictured that as being where they're going to, to take the world. We just need to divide it up into, into 10 regions. Each one will have their own government. They're all going to be equal. They're all going to share. It's going to be straight up socialism. Oh wait, we can't call it socialism. We can't call it Marxism. Let's call it stakeholder capitalism. That'll that'll really confuse those those uh, Westerners. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what they want. And to do that, they would either have to, they would have to do one of two things. Either they would have to raise the world up to be at our level, technologically, financially, as far as just lifestyle, access, or they could bring us down to be at their level. And that's obviously the easier scenario, and that's what they're trying to do. But they can't just attack the United States, just as many people have predicted, many people have even proposed. I forgot the guy's name, Yuri something or the 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 the, the Russian guy in the eighties. He was basically explaining Russia's plan or or Soviet Union's plan to destroy America. And it wasn't going to be through through attacks. It was going to be by through essentially information warfare, psyops. Okay, psychological warfare. Get it to where we're destroying ourselves. Cause division. Division amongst the races, division amongst the sexes, divisions among uh, the the, the uh, religions. Take our strength, which, you know, people can say what they will about diversity. I'm not talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I'm talking about true diversity, which we have been able to accomplish very recently. Okay? We have had an extremely diverse and rich nation. And that diversity has been able to intermingle appropriately until, of course, the recent rash of segregation that's being pushed by the radical left. But we'll talk about that because that's actually on my list as far as one of the things that we need to talk about. And it's unfortunate that I haven't even gotten past. We're still <laughs> we're still on, on Hamas. We've, we've covered two of them. There's a lot more. So today's show might end up being one that continues on for many days. But I have to get this out there. I have to try to make people aware that what we're seeing is not about, it's not about the election. It's not about just wokeness for the sake of wokeness. It's not about, you know, just um, taking America down a notch or crashing the economy or it's, it's all tied together and it's all happening simultaneously. And the dominoes are already starting to fall. I don't want to be chicken little, but like I said, 
you don't want to say the sky is falling unless it is. And right now, I think the sky is falling. Right now, I think that we as individuals, we as a nation, and we as communities at every level, up and down the spectrum, we need to be working towards trying to fix this, praying for divine intervention, because I don't believe that we are capable of fixing this by ourselves. It has gone too far. It has The division is, is already there. I had mentioned earlier that I would learned that people can't have their, their minds, their perspectives changed, right? Well, that's for certain things on other things that are, I guess, perhaps more fundamental. It's going to be harder. And in some ways, it's going to be impossible. People would rather die being thinking that they're right than live and admit that they were wrong. So on issues that are personal, you know, there's nothing, nothing personal for most. I guess if you're, if you're Muslim, if you're Palestinian, if you're from the region, if you're Jewish, if you're Israeli, then maybe there is a, a personal attachment there. But for the majority of Americans, there's nothing personal about this war. There's how it makes us feel. That's who we believe is in the right and who's in the wrong. But those aren't things that are necessarily directly personal to us. That's why I said the perspectives can change. Same thing with the election. Okay. You might say that it was extremely important that, that it's, it, it changed and perhaps even destroyed our nation to have the 2020 election stolen, but it wasn't necessarily personal. It was an attack against the nation, not against you directly. But when we start getting into those things that attack a person directly, such as, for example, sexual orientation, gender identity, as they call it now, when we start getting into things that are much more personal, like your finances, things that are much more personal, such as crime that changes the way that you live your life, those are things, those are perspectives that are much harder to change. And those are the things that are going to are used to divide us again. So to recap, since since I keep going too long on this subject, but it's an important one for obvious reasons. To recap, we've established that the border crisis, in the first hour, that the border crisis is being used to set the foundation. They are infiltrating us. They are building their internal armies. And I mean, in, in like Los Angeles and some places, they're arming these people, they want gun control, except for some reason, they've decided, hey, you know, let's take away every law-abiding citizen's guns, we'll leave guns for all the criminals, and we'll take the people who are criminal just by their very uh, presence here, they broke the law just to be here, let's give them guns and make them authority figures, let's give them the power of law enforcement. They broke the law to get here, and yet illegal aliens are being pushed into law enforcement, there are rumors that they are being pushed into the military. I haven't seen it, direct evidence yet. If you have seen it, please send it to me, jdrucker.com slash talk. That's how you talk to me directly. jdrucker.com slash talk. Send me any, any information. And, and that's for anything on anybody. Look, if you've got some story ideas, if you've got topics that you think I should be covering, links that you think I should be reading, videos that you think I should be watching, sources that I should be adding to my list, send it there, jdrucker dot com slash talk. But so far, you know, I mean we we know that this invasion at the southern border is being used to to basically plant the seeds through which they'll be able to have physical engagement with us. They're building an army 
and they're bringing it here first, and then then they're going to to get it trained up and ready. And I know there's there are military age men with military training that have been crossing over as well. We saw this one uh, semi. I don't think it went viral, but it was a relatively well watched semi famous video of uh, they had the they were going up and down the line uh, with these these military age men, these illegal aliens. They all had similar satchels all by their side. They all had their they're standing straight upright. They have their arms behind their back as, as if they were standing in attention. It's as if they were military men. That's a concern. So we've established that that's a problem. We've also established, hopefully, that regardless of which side you're on in the Israel versus Hamas war, that Everything that's happening pertaining to the war here isn't really pertaining to the war over there. It's about dividing us here. It's about making us. Uh, the People like to equate, again, the, the whole George Floyd riots. Oops. Sorry. The whole George Floyd, Floyd riots with the Hamas riots that are happening now and that are going to accelerate. There is a big, huge difference because with the George Floyd riots, you'll notice there was what was uh, accompanying it. A lot of looting, that's for sure. Are we going to see looting with the Hamas riots? Maybe, maybe not. But the other difference is that they were trying to ch- make changes here in the United States. Nobody, nobody is demanding changes. None of these these uh, anti-Zionist protesters, they're not demanding changes be done here. They're demanding that Joe Biden stop funding uh, Israel. They, they, they want Joe Biden to, to uh, stop supporting Israel altogether. They want Joe Biden to call for a ceasefire, to demand a ceasefire. And, of course, they want Israel to to no longer exist. None of those things have an impact here. It's not like we can just pass legislation and Israel's going to call a ceasefire. Whereas with the BLM riots, that was different. We saw changes. We saw many police departments getting um, limited funds or even completely defunded. Obviously, we're seeing that reverse now once they see the repercussions of their actions. You get the idea. This is different. It's very different. And it has nothing to do with the Middle East. Before we go on, um, because I did such a poor job in the first hour, I'll go ahead and, and mention the Genesis Gold Group sponsors today's video. Genesis Gold Group is a Christian America First company that specializes in self-directed IRAs backed by physical precious metals. One of the stories that I skipped, I'll talk about it tomorrow. It's how Oklahoma and one, I forgot the other state, Oklahoma and one other state are opening um, bullion depositories, or they're trying to pass legislation to open state, state-run bullion depositories. And you might say, oh my gosh, I don't want to get into a state-run one. And keep in mind, Genesis isn't involved with this at all. And the point I'm trying to make is that putting it, it highlights the fact that putting gold and silver in depositories, it's not like putting money in the bank. It's very much different. You retain ownership. I'm not going to say the government will never will never try to confiscate gold because that has actually happened in the past. And I wouldn't put it past any government to not do that, but they could confiscate just about anything. You say they can't confiscate Bitcoin, I would say, wake up. <laughs> wake up. <laughs> Those days are coming, folks. But the point is, is that Genesis Gold Group can't help you protect your wealth, protect your retirement, protect your life's savings. Go to jdrgold.com jdrgold.com and and see what they can do to help you so illegal aliens check hamas israel check what else 
what else are they going to do to divide us? What else are they going to pretend like it's a, an issue that has to do with the election or it's an issue that has to do with, with recovery from COVID or whatever? Yes, you get the idea. It is the economy. They are using the economy to divide us. Inflation is not rampant because of just uh, a lot of people are saying it's, oh, the Fed's just making bad moves. The Fed's making the right moves. They're just not working. And when I say right moves, right moves as far as specifically with inflation should have been lowered based upon the actions that they took historically speaking, and they were not. It hasn't worked like that, just as it hasn't worked out for uh, for in real estate. You know, you would think. Logically and historically, we can we can come to the conclusion that as the prices uh, rise, interest rates would fall, and vice versa. As interest rates rise, prices should fall. What we've seen is the opposite. We've seen prices rising as interest rates rise. So again, what is the cause of all this? What is the cause of $20 an hour, $20 an hour for pizza delivery drivers? Would have been nice for them to make $20 an hour plus tips if they were able to keep their jobs with Pizza Hut in California, but they weren't because Pizza Hut eliminated the role. Is that by design? You betcha. All of it is. Everything. You have to try, actively and aggressively try to destroy the economy the way that the Biden-Harris regime has done this. It's not about getting it wrong. It's about getting it right, just having a different motivation. Their motivation is to tank the economy. And you should ask yourself, why is that? Why would it, why in the world would they want that? Why would their handlers want that? You know, it's funny. Joe Biden, everybody made made a big deal about it in uh, in corporate media. I'm sorry, in, in conservative media and alternative media. When Joe Biden was was leaving for one of he went from one vacation to another, and he's leaving. And he's telling somebody's asking about the economy, and he got mad. And he said, he said, you guys need to report it right. People made a big deal out of it because. It's like, oh, this Joe. I took that as he finally said something like like his his dementia or whatever it is that's ailing him. It made him tell the truth. And he's done that multiple times. There have been times where, where he's kinda kinda let the cat out of the bag. In this case, I think that he let the cat out of the bag. I think that he was told, hey, tank the economy will protect you with the media. Yeah, no matter how bad the economy gets, the media will get, you know, we'll get Paul Krugman to say, hey, everything's hunky dory. We'll get Jim Cramer to say, hey, everything's looking up. We'll get everybody else in media to, to back you. And the people, they're too stupid. They're not going to know that they, that they're broke. They're just, you know, we just got to suspend disbelief long enough to get us through whatever it is. The destruction of America, the election, a combination of the two, whatever that looks like. But it's in, again, it's conspicuous to me that he said those words. Those exact words tell me that here's a man who is a little bit detached, maybe a lot detached from reality, a man who does not have his full functioning cognitive abilities anymore, and he lashed out, and while lashing out, which is common, for people with dementia, they lash out and they, they speak truthfully, their own personal truth. So I think that he really was telling them, hey, you guys, you're not reporting it right. You're supposed to report it better, but you're reporting it wrong. And you can't look at the numbers and and say, oh, my gosh, the economy is is sailing. He knows what's happening, at least partially, (laughs) or at least his handlers do. And for him to make those that 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 uh, announcement, that that declaration, again, that to me is very it's more than than what is being played to be. 
They want us broke because when we're broke, we're desperate. And desperate people will do desperate things. And desperate people are much easier to control. Now, you can argue that if they, the people get too desperate, they get too desperate, then they become uncontrollable. So I would imagine that the plan does include a quick and believable solution. If the economy were to crash, if the dollar, the U.S. dollar were to crash, the stock market were to crash, the solution that they're going to offer is a rapidly implemented uh, central bank digital currency, which they can use at that point to be able to control us, control our finances from source to expenditure and everywhere in between. Don't know what we're spending our money on, how often we're spending our money, how much money we're making. We won't be able to hide it the way that we can hide it today. And I'm not just talking about for tax purposes. I'm saying like they will be able to monitor all of it. It's not just because they want to. It is because through monitoring, they can control us. They can drive us in whatever direction they want. And if you say, no, that won't be me, that won't be me. If you're starving, if your family is starving, you will do whatever they say. Most of you. I shouldn't say all of you. I, mean, I seriously wouldn't. I seriously, I'm not trying to, oh, you know, I won't be that guy. I'm not, not going down that road. But I wouldn't. And Lord willing, I've made my family prepared for that. You know, but prepared to the point of saying, look, before we do anything stupid, before we do anything against God, for sure, we will die. We will die first. Unfortunately, and well, I shouldn't say unfortunately. <laughs> no, if you're not willing to die, then you suck. That's not what I'm saying. Um, it is what it is, but I would say most people will sacrifice something. Maybe you've, you've totally anti-vax, but they say the only way that you can get your, your, your cabbage and lab-grown meat uh, supply is if you get vaccinated. I think most of those who are currently not vaccinated would get vaccinated. Oh, you have to, to hand over all your guns, you know, in order to get food, in order to get water, in order to have utilities, in order to, to live. Like I said in the beginning, at least at the beginning of this hour, I don't want to be Debbie Downer about this stuff. But I do want to tell you the truth. I don't want to hide every show, hide behind, oh, okay, let's get to the next story. That's easy. I can do that. I will do that a lot because it's it's not like <clears throat> it's not important. That stuff is important too. But we need some cold, hard facts every now and then. And if you're listening, especially if you're listening for the first time, <laughs> I feel I feel sorry for you. But then again, maybe I don't. Maybe it, Maybe this is what you needed to hear. I prayed that my words would be what people need to hear and not need to hear from their own perspective. Need to hear as a result of the will of God. I don't know if it worked. I'm, I'm not a very good Christian when it comes to, to prayer. I'm not, you know, I've seen some pretty amazing things come from prayer throughout my life, but I've also seen some things that I thought, you know, wow. I mean, I've been shocked before that, that prayers that I thought were, were proper and righteous and accurate and needed, and they didn't happen. But as we all learn, I think, hopefully, 
we all learn throughout life that sometimes, you know, was that, that Garth Brooks song, don't, don't laugh at me for invoking Garth Brooks. But, you know, so some of the best things in life are unanswered prayers. We don't know it at the time, but we find out later. I don't know. So, yeah, the economy is being destroyed intentionally. And that's a concern. But again, it has nothing to do with the election, because if they were fighting to win elections, they would be trying to correct, to fix the economy, and they're not. They're not doing the things that are necessary to fix the economy. And very similar to the border, the border would be easy to fix. It really would. Very similar to to the uh, the anti-Zionist protests here. They They don't make sense for them to be happening at all, not at this time, and yet here they are. Same thing with our economy. We should be in full-blown recovery. The one thing that you can say about downturns that are caused, especially when they're caused by events, such as COVID pandemics, when you have those types of, of downturns, the bounce back is oftentimes tremendous. We should be in great financial condition already. We should have been in great financial condition by mid-2021, latest, latest mid-2022. Now here we are going into 2024, and it just gets worse and worse. And you can say, well, but but uh, Bitcoin is up and the stock market's up and, and gold is up. Isn't everything up? When I look at the economy, there really is you know, one major factor to take into consideration. And that's how much are people spending? How much are they saving? How much money is flowing to the people? We can look at Wall Street all day. That doesn't affect Joe Blow, not at least directly. Not instantaneously. We can look at the prices of gold or Bitcoin or whatever. Real estate, all those are going up. But is that really affecting your average American? Tens of millions of Americans aren't feeling the benefits. <laughs> well, well, we'll actually say hundreds of millions of Americans are not feeling the direct benefits of stock markets going up, gold going up, Bitcoin going up, uh, real estate market going up, car market going up. All they're seeing is that costs a heck of a lot more money to buy a home and we can't afford it. Costs a heck of a lot more money to buy a car new or used and we can't afford it. So yeah. The economy will be used to control essentially the world. Because at the end of the day, I believe that the way that this this uh scenario pans out is that multiple countries, most if not all, will have developed uh, their own version of a central bank digital currency. Some will, uh, will hop on others. It's not going to be every single individual com- country has their own individual central bank digital currency. Once you have one that's, that's proven it works, other countries can adopt it, especially allied countries. You know, I couldn't imagine, just as an example, I couldn't imagine, um, you know, whatever, Thailand. Thailand with, with hundreds of, hundreds of millions of people. Yeah. They, they, they're still not going to develop their own central bank digital currency. Whereas China will, obviously. You get the idea. Eventually those digital currencies will be united under one. And that's, that will again fall, tie right back into the 10 regional powers answering to one world government. So where does that leave us? Well, according to my list, we've got about eight other items to go through and I'm not going to make it. So let's at least try to get through one or two more. The next one will be wokeness. Now, wokeness is something, as I mentioned before, you've got the things that are not personal, such as uh, Israel and Hamas. 
That's not, there's no personal effect for the vast majority of Americans. However, when it comes to wokeness, LGBTQIA plus supremacy, critical race theory, those things, we're feeling it directly. Almost all of us are. Whether we are part of the, the alphabet crew or not. If we're, if, if we're not part of the alphabet crew, if you are a, a uh, straight Caucasian or Asian, whatever, male or female, then you don't identify this or that or the other, then you have limited or zero intersectionality points, basically, then you're definitely going to be affected by this, even though you don't have any part in it. There's a video that came out yesterday, I believe. Yeah, yesterday. Delta employee, you don't get to see the, the person that he's talking to, but that person is, is getting all upset because he was misgendered, okay? And he's trying to talk to the Delta employee and trying to shame. I don't even know what he's trying to do, but he's recording it. And the Delta employee is just like, we did not intentionally uh, misgender you. You know, sorry, but we didn't. He's like, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, look, sir, if you want to, you know, three days before Christmas, if you want to leave, you can, you know, we'll call security. We'll have you thrown out. He handled it properly. A lot of people don't. I would say most people don't. Most people will either, either bow down and say, oh, my gosh, I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive. Or they'll be like, dude, you're a dude. <laughs> Stop. You know, you, you, you don't like the pronoun that I'm talking to you about. Grow up. You have a mental illness. I can recommend a good doctor for that. Jeez, I just said that, didn't I? Now, this video can't go on YouTube. <laughs> Wokeness is, it's funny because it's the issue that uh, Ron DeSantis had latched onto. And people are saying that, that it's at the bottom of the list. The polls are showing that it's at the bottom of the list. Here's the funny part. I have a, I would put this theory in about 20%, maybe even less. Maybe we'll say 10%. 10% like likelihood. But I would argue that, that that's not accurate. That in other words, wokeness, you know, fighting wokeness is not at the very, very bottom of the list of priorities. They manufactured those, those polls because they wanted people to believe that what Ron DeSantis was focused on is not, is not important to them. <laughs> Basically in reverse, because their intention, I believe, is to get Nikki Haley at least as the backup to jo Donald Trump. Possibly as the nominee, if they can take, if the deep state can take Donald Trump out and, uh, possibly as president, if all these, those things pan out, they really wanted that. And they actually figure that they have to, the only way they could have a chance at Trump is if they can shave away enough of the, uh, enough of the DeSantis people. They're not worried about Chris Christie. They're, they're not going to get anybody from Vivek Ramaswamy. So that left Ron DeSantis being the, the sole target, at least initially for now of the uh, whatever powers are behind Nikki Haley. And I would say that, that they made wokeness less important according to the polls, but I would say that it is still important because we still have, we still have guys going into girls' bathrooms, putting our children, our females at risk. We still have to deal with it on a daily basis, depending on what industry you're in, how often you have to go out, how often you have to, to address these people. Perhaps you're, you are, perhaps you're one of those people. I say those people as if it's like them versus us, but perhaps you, uh, the way that I look at it is that it's either attention grabbing or it's mental illness or a combination of the two. So when I say them versus us, it's not, I'm not trying to be bigoted against, against LGBTQI plus people. I just, my, I think that it's a mental illness to want to, 
And not all of it. Some of it is just, you know, it is what it is. Like homosexuality, I don't think is a mental illness. It's just, it's a, it's a uh, perverse state of mind, you know, but whereas gender dysphoria has always been considered a mental illness until very recently. So, <laughs> wow, going off on the deep end on that one. So, <laughs> erase everything I just said, because that's not on topic. The, the important topic, <laughs> the important thing about this is that all of this, again, goes back to dividing us, okay? They want us at each other's throat. They want to engage in destruction from within. So they need us to be fighting one-on-one, ten-on-ten, a thousand-on-a-thousand. That's the formula that they want for, that they, they demand, essentially, for civil war. That's why wokeness is, is there. It's not just about indoctrinating or grooming. It really is about driving a wedge between not just people and people, but also between people and the potential for them to engage from a faithful perspective. I'll get more into that in a second. But it is all part of this spirit of confusion. I've heard other people mention variations of this, but it is a spirit of confusion that's, I think, behind it. We, we call it mental illness because it is, but mental illness itself can and often is just a derivative of this spirit of confusion that is cr- crisscrossing our nation and pretty much all of Western society to some extent. There are other, there are members of Western society that have want nothing to do with the wokeness. There are, uh, you know, most, I would say, in um, Eastern societies want nothing to do with that level of wokeness. Maybe a little bit, but not, not to the degree that we have it. They don't want to be insane. And the real insanity is not, it's not the people that are suffering from, for example, gender dysphoria. The real insanity is the people that are enabling it. Because they consider, they can recognize that it's ludicrous to use a pronoun, or perhaps more importantly, it's it's ludicrous for somebody to get so upset over the use of a pronoun. It's like they've created the identity, so now that identity has to become who they are. It has to become part of their soul. It's been a long time since I've mentioned this, but the reason that they go after children with all of this indoctrination, this brainwashing, the reason that they want younger and younger people to permanently disfigure their own bodies. They want parents to be out of the equation. They want people to use, they want these kids to use pronouns that don't match them, to be called names that were never given to them. The whole reason that they're going after these children is because if they can convince a child, say they have an eight-year-old, if they can take this, and it's parents too, I shouldn't say, oh, all parents are the good guys. We've seen plenty of examples of parents engaged in this spirit of confusion and essentially we've seen some cases where they are driving their children to claim a different gender it's as if if they don't have a transgender child then they're not cool enough that only the only the parents with transgender children get the special treatment so it's the same basic concept whether it's the child or the parent many of these children are you know engaged in some variation of lgbtqia plus identity and they do this because they, they've seen what happens to others. They realize, hey, they don't just get equal treatment. They get better treatment. They get less bullied. It's funny how the narrative is, oh, you know, these people that get bullied all the time. No, they don't. Not anymore. Okay? Maybe, you know, in the 70s, 80s, into the 90s. 
maybe even very recently, but really, is really got started with Barack Obama. Once LGBTQIA plus became normalized, once gay marriage was passed, once all these things happened, then all of a sudden, the pendulum kept going. It didn't just stop at center. They acquired better rights. You know, as a man, and depending on where you go, as a man, if you want to go to use the restroom, you have to use the men's room by law. If you're a woman, you have to go into the women's room by law. If you are gender fluid or transgender or transvestite or trans whatever, then you can go in either restroom because it's your identity that determines which restroom you go into and how you identify at the moment of needing to use the restroom. We'll set that example. You see what I'm saying? They have now today, they have superior rights, superior protection, less bullying. The only thing, area where it does hurt them, of course, is in interactional society. In other words, it is probably harder for them to get jobs. It's hard if, if there's a meme out right now, you know, somebody's basically said, look, if I see, uh, if I see pronouns in a resume, I'm not even going to talk to that person. It's funny because that, technically speaking, would be considered discrimination. So, but I digress. All of this, the wokeness. The, the changes that they're trying to make in these children. It comes down to one thing, and that's division. But it's not, as I said before, it's not just division between people. It's also division from their perspectives of faith. If you can take an eight-year-old boy and convince him that he's actually a girl, then when the topic, when the, when the intellectual, you know, um, when the time comes for that person to decide if they want to to read the Bible, if they want to be a person of faith, if they want to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they believe that they were created, for them to be able to do all those things, they have to look at themselves and say, well, I'm a boy, or I was born a boy, I was born male, but I'm actually a girl. Therefore, if there is a creator, then the creator was wrong when he created me. And since they say that the creator is omniscient and omnipotent, then that means that either the creator hates me by misgendering me, or the creator made a mistake, therefore he's not perfect, or the creator doesn't exist. In other words, when you, when they convert, indoctrinate, brainwash a child, into grabbing whatever letters of the LGBTQIA plus alphabet that they want, that they think fits them, once they get that letter, you know, attached to them, the chances of that child growing up and becoming a Bible-believing Christian or a Bible-believing Jew or Muslim or whatever, chances are minimal. They are essentially creating is the, these uh, this gender push is a way of establishing a an atheist factory. They're they're making little atheists left and right. All of this comes down to our destruction from within. It's not about what they want to do to us. It's about what they want us to do to ourselves. So the question really comes down to this. If we continue in the trajectory that we're going, we are going to have a civil war. It is practically unavoidable other than the will of God 
supernaturally swooping down and fixing it. Or, if we are going to try to fix it, to me, the only way to do that is through a different type of war, a revolutionary war. And I'm not talking about guns or muskets or anything like that. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Lord willing, I will be back tomorrow with another episode. But in the meantime, you all stay strong, stay safe, and God bless.